Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that in modern spirituality, we often separate the sacred and the profane. We look at certain things as being holy and good and others as being bad. And I've actually found that the most magical part of life is finding the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of it. In this podcast, you can expect to hear stories from people on all sorts of walks of life. You'll hear from a doctor, a sex worker, a poet, a motivational speaker, an activist, a mother, a birth doula, and all sorts of other people who are walking on an embodied path of healing and transformation as a soul awakening this lifetime. Each one of our guests will be sharing their mystical and numinous and spiritual awakenings, how the sacred has touched their lives and the profane too how they have explored life through sex, drugs, birthing, meditation, prayer, experiencing death and life, and all sorts of different elements that God, Goddess Divine, speaks to us through. If you found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't just fit into the simple ideas of good and bad, of spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I have someone who oh, I think is amazing. <laughs> I feel very lucky to have her on this podcast. Her name is Ebony Denise. She is an inspiring woman. She's a scholar. She's a founder. She has created this incredible project called the Black Girl Mixtape. And I've just had the pleasure of getting to know her for the last seven, eight months. And this is the first time that I am having a conversation with someone who I work with as their coach. And I asked her with trembling fingers and hands, hey, would you be um, down to talk about some of this publicly? And she said yes, enthusiastically, which is super duper generous. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's um, the longest one I've ever done, which is awesome. And it's deep and it's really heartfelt. And I think you can feel the, um, you know, the trust and the intimacy that we formed working together. So I'm really excited for this one. Listen to the end. Let me know it stands out. Please go follow her online and check out her work. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I am very excited to have today someone who is dear to my heart here with us on the Holy Fuck podcast, and her name is Ebony Denise. Yay, it's me. Whatever you do, do not call her Ebony. I actually witnessed, God bless her heart, um, but I witnessed uh, Ebony Denise came to a class with me online and told the teacher twice <laughs> that her name was Ebony Denise, not Ebony. And the teacher called her Ebony twice. And God bless that teacher's heart. She's very kind. But her name is Ebony Denise. <laughs> you were very graceful in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Even if I wasn't, it's my right. I said, my name is Ebony Janice. I know that people don't mean to, you know, misname you, but I go through a whole spiel. My name is Ebony Janice. I go by Ebony Janice. And immediately following that, somebody will still call me Ebony. And 
So that a lifetime of being misnamed and, you know, it's exhausting. So if I wanted to not be gracious, I could have been not gracious, but I got it. I got that there was not this intentional thing happening in this moment, right? And it's Zoom and it's like, you know, it's easy. I know, I know. Facing whatever. But yeah, that that is the thing. I I was just cringing because I was like, I brought you into this space, which I already felt self-conscious about because it was a bunch of white women in a dance class online. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit. Now the teacher said her name wrong. Like, I didn't take it personal. I was just like, this is the thing. This is my life. I got to tell this lady again. I I was glad that she corrected it though. Like she could have just pretended like she didn't see that second time because we were in the moment. And so I really, that was the thing that I appreciated. I knew that it wasn't intentional, but to come back and say it correctly was a way. I saw that too. Intentionally, like, let me purposefully let people know who may even be, you know, just hearing it and not seeing what's happening in the chat section that this person's name is Ebony Janine. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that was cool. And she's cool. And then, you know, it's just life. It's funny. Sometimes it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and it's like, I'm like, oh, I hope Ebony Janice feels good in the class and like honored and like she fits in and like, you know, and then that, you know, these little things happen where we're like, okay, we have an opportunity right now to, um, you know, whatever get triggered i i just it's funny that you said that because we haven't ever talked actually had a verbal conversation about that experience i know but i which is funny but i loved it so much and i was i was simultaneously tickled and like it's one of those my eyes really open i'm like these white women be over here really just getting it like (laughs) i feel like my body don't even do that so i be in my private like dance space practicing it sliding across the floor laying on my back throwing my legs in the air my my caress my body game has you know up level since that experience so yeah I, I really yeah it. well so I'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself in a second but I'll tell everybody what the heck we're talking about <laughs> so um well first off Ebony Denise and I've been working together in a client coach relationship for Almost six months, six months around that. I think, well, I think yeah. seven months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. I think, you know, we did two containers of three and then we just moved into our, you know, ongoing. Ongoing, okay. which is so cool. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Um, and sometimes I take different clients that I'm working with either to an experience in person, if we're in the same city or we can meet somewhere go on a retreat or um, take a workshop or see a teacher or bring another teacher in. And, and pre-COVID, that was stuff that I really liked to do. But, um, you know, I was like, oh, I think it'd be fun for us to take this sensual dance class together because we're doing a lot of embodiment work and there's something beautiful about being witnessed in that. And the class is based on the S factor, which there's this documentary out on Netflix um, about S factor. It's like a sort of strip fitness empowerment. And actually one of the women that was in my year long program last year, Alyssa is incredible. She was in the documentary and then spoke out against the documentary on Buzzfeed and all these places about that she was not happy with it. So, you know, there's some controversy around the S factor people, but these lovely ladies who I go to their class, I, I really appreciate it. So it was fun to bring in Ebony Janice, but it's like, yeah, it's really sexy. And I did it today actually. And I was thinking, I still feel totally self-conscious dancing in front of other women in this way, you know, that, that 
I think that may have been the introduction for me of the to the language of being witnessed. I I knew that that's what I wanted before I you know before you started talking to me about this idea of like you know come into this um, to this to this class and there's this point when if you want to you don't have to do it and I actually chose not to do it because I did feel a little too self-conscious I just wasn't ready but coming and you have the opportunity to come on camera and like just be highlighted you know on the screen just dancing but it's in this very beautiful safe space where there are other women and femmes who are just there to to witness you to behold you know your your whole self and to not create something else from that and um I just had never I had never really thought about I I felt it you know when I heard the language of being witnessed I was like, that's exactly what I want, but I just didn't have that language. And so that, that experience as nerve wracking as it was in some ways, you know, to be like, they watching me, girl, they're not watching you right now. They're watching them right. in their own experience. You know, they're, they're, that was kind of the beginning of like me. I use the language of witness me all the time now, like mm. all the time. Like I want to be witnessed. I want to be seen. I want to be experienced. So yeah. it is, it, it was nerve wracking, but it was beautiful. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of why I think working with someone one-on-one -on -one is really awesome because you can, you can bear that like thigh trembling vulnerability, but you're not just doing it straight in front of a partner, a family member or a public audience. You're working with a practitioner who you trust to witness you and to hold you in that kind of you know, first kind of soul bearing steps and, and whether it's physically or emotionally or around whatever your story or your narratives are. And I feel like I was, I was contemplating this today as I was like recording a, a solo cast. I was like, you know, what if we don't have these moments where we sort of like sit in this vulnerable, like hand trembling or heart beating fast, like, if we don't have those moments where we're really extending something from our soul outward, then like, what are we doing? You know, like, how do we know ourselves or how do we know our growth? And I think life can happen quickly. And then, well, if we en enter into any, any kind of more, um, you know, transformational work, those moments come just often. Um, and they're also, they don't always feel safe to share publicly. Like, how is that for you, like sharing? Because I know you're a public person. Okay, so tell us who you are first. <laughs> um, <Sorry. laughs> yeah. My name is Ebony Janice. I go by Ebony Janice, which means you should call me Ebony Janice. <laughs> That's the addition to the intro now. And um, how about EJ? Do you like EJ? Uh, try it. <laughs> try it out. We'll see. Um, yeah. And I, I am a, a womanist. I am a scholar. I Can I ask you what the difference between a womanist and a feminist is? I'll tell you. Okay. Good. Sure. Well, um, I'm a womanist. I'm a scholar. I am a healer. I am a free woman. And, um, those are my favorite, I think my favorite identities. And a womanist, Alice Walker coined the term womanism um, in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. And it's a four-part definition. It's a very beautiful four-part definition. It's written like poetry, even though there's an ethic and a praxis behind it. And um, 
The fourth part of this definition says womanism is to feminism as purple is to lavender. And so ultimately what Alice Walker has created or uh, put forth with this, with this language is that womanism is the deeper shade of purple to feminism. Womanism centers uh, Black women's both sociopolitical and spiritual religious work. And so basically, even before the language of womanism, even before the language of intersectionality, even for this language that, you know, we get in the, you know, late 70s, 80s, um, 90s from different scholars like Alice Walker, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, et cetera, et cetera, you can look to the work of Sojourner Truth, who, who was talking, who was speaking from this womanist perspective, who was saying, if you do not center Black women in your liberative uh, ethic and your work, you're not, we're not actually going to all be free. It's impossible. If you're centering white men, that leaves all of us in these identities and these intersections out. If you're centering men, that leaves all of these you know, places where we exist out. If you're centering, if, if white women in the suffrage movement, right, the earlier phases of feminism, if white women, their actual focus historically <laughs> was, wait a minute, how did Negro men get the right to vote before we did? So, so white women were like, we need to get the right to vote, but there was no actual conversation about the very specific and unique experience of being both black and woman. That, inter that is intersectionality. So womanism asks us to walk into the door and pass the microphone to the person whose voice we least likely to hear. And as a result of chattel slavery in the United States of America, Black women's bodies are the only bodies that have been used for both labor and reproduction. So therefore, Black women would like pass the microphone. Really, if we were to get even deeper into our intersections, it would be hand the microphone to Black uh, trans women, right? So like, and or we would go to even deeper, it would be hand the microphone to Black disabled trans, you know, women, right? We could go deeper and deeper. But the, the conversation then from this womanist perspective is that when we center Black women's issues, we cover everybody because everybody uh. at this intersection would be taken care of when Black women are well and free. Uh. That's so beautiful. I'm so glad to hear that definition from you. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody on my podcast, I asked us to share an experience of how God, Goddess Divine has touched your heart, soul, body. And we let that be that sort of entry point into meeting each other in um, the heart space, which we do often. So I'm lucky that I already feel that with you since we have that bond here, but um, it's also bringing our audience into the heart space with us. And I know that sounds woo woo guys. And you know, I'm actually doing some work to wring out the woo. Um, <laughs> Cause I've, I was raised with it and it's kind of like, all right, Alexandra. So anyway, but I'll just define heart space real quick for you guys from my own perspective, which is just to come out of the head and the thinking mind that's full of lists and judgments and ideas and opinions. Like the mind is just really, really good at doing that. It's really powerful. And, and it, that's why we've created incredible businesses and ideas, but um, it's good to check that, especially in moments where we're going to listening, because if we're coming from, if we're coming into a space of listening, but we're coming from that mind space of opinions and judgments, like mm -hmm. we actually don't always receive the deeper transmission. So it's a skill 
And this skill actually, you know, traverses different uh, areas of life, not just in listening, but in receiving love or in being in our bodies, but the ability to come out of the head and all of that chatter and just listen to Ebony Denise's story mm-hmm. uh, is really important. It's really important. You'll get, um, you'll get way more bang for your buck. You know what I mean? You're spending the time listening to this podcast. So um, when I say come into the heart space, it's come out of that chattering thinking mind that's like immediately saying judgments and opinions which aren't really you by the way people you know whatever judgments you're having right now about my voice or her story or whatever um but to have the ability to drop into your heart is a skill and we work on it a lot together here and um so as you're listening to ebony janice's story Come into your heart space. Come on down. Take a breath. All right. I love the language of ringing out the woo. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the first thing that came to my mind actually is really funny to me because I don't particularly identify um, as a Christian any longer. But I grew up in, um, I grew up super saved in the uh, Southern Black Christian experience and uh, in a charismatic Baptist, you know, expression of my faith. And so I grew up believing in salvation as, you know, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And as a result of that uh, death, burial and resurrection, that I was born again, you know, at which point I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And... So even though that that isn't particularly my truth system, my full truth system any longer, the thing that I thought about an experience that I feel like is maybe one of my first experiences bringing me into my heart space and out of my thinking, 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 logic, analyzing, break it down, is my salvation story. (laughs) Um, At which point I receive salvation. And I think that there are levels and layers to this throughout my life, because I think that I've received salvation over and over again in different experiences. But the, this, this particular supernatural, you know, experience really revealed grace to me in a way that I never understood it. And the language that I got for myself as a teenager, upon upon which, you know, at which point I, I received salvation was that, um, I needed this supernatural God encounter in order to um, see that left to my own devices in this flesh body, (laughs) I would be a mess. Left to this, left to my own devices in this flesh body, I would judge you, I would fight you, I would kick you, I would write like I would be a tyrant because I can't even be kind to myself without this something this was my understanding of it at the time, right? I can't, I don't even know how to be nice to me, let alone be nice to you. And there's a point then as a teenager having this salvation experience where I just remember experiencing grace for myself and for others in what I know to be a supernatural encounter, right? The ability to have someone causing harm to me, you know, maybe saying something mean to me, maybe, you know, one of my classmates and this automatic filter in my head, like offering grace means being able to say, I don't even know why this person is doing this, but it doesn't have anything to me to do with me. So for me to respond, like they're doing this to me, rather than understanding that what they're doing is to themselves or, you know, there's their own personal experience. 
And that that is like, that's the first thing that came to my mind because it really is this out of my head, out of body experience. Like, this isn't about me. To take it personal would be to, you know, to think it through too much, to, to think too much through it, rather than to be in my heart and just feel this deep grace and compassion for, I don't know your why, I just know that it's not personal. And I, and I wish you this kind of ease, you know, very similar to mine. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are so many other experiences, but that was the first thing that came to my mind, like salvation or the idea of salvation, you know, at that point was really like that something supernatural could transform the way that I am filtering and understanding this experience that I'm having. And that is like, that is, that is salvation to me. Like, I don't have to be in the pain of thinking that you're doing something personal to me. I can release that and surrender that and just feel love and grace and mercy. And, you know, that's what I want more than anything. So I received that for sure as salvation. Wow. Do you remember what that felt like in your heart or your body as a kid when that was happening? I absolutely do. You do? Yeah, yeah. My salvation story is actually just super dramatic because I live for drama. But the the thing that I do remember, (laughs) the thing that I definitely remember is I was in the shower. I had a dream. It brought me to the shower. It's a whole story for another day. It's a different podcast. It's not for the Holy Fuck podcast, but I was, I was, I was, I started sobbing. My heart was like beating so fast, like, you know, in my chest, like, what is this experience? What is this? Um, this is why I, you know, think about love, you know, in, in the context of this salvation experience, because my heart was so, you know, being so enlarged that it felt like it was going to explode. Like, and that, you know, just the overwhelming, like, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop shaking. My heart was beating out of my chest. It felt like it was like, it's not going to stay here. What is this? Wow. Yeah. You know, and there's different ways across traditions that people could characterize that experience. Mm-hmm. Like you have a Kundalini awakening mm-hmm. or you have, um, you know, your heart chakra mm-hmm. opens. Both of those are more, you know, kind of yogi, yoga courts, mm-hmm. but um yeah, there are so many different ways that we can think of that something sort of you break through mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to the other side. But I love that. The, I mean, that seems like there usually is a physical reaction, like you said, where you're just like you feel like mm-hmm. WTF, like I'm shaking, crying, my heart is big, but you sort of know you're safe, mm-hmm. you know, um, but but it's still there's a part of you that maybe is a little bit scared, like what's happening to me. And yeah. then a part of you that's like, this is so incredible, like how amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even I was, I was 12 years old at the time. And, um, my grandmother was staying with us because she had, this is a dramatic story. Actually, she had fell off the church bus and broke her shoulder, a bone in her shoulder. So she was staying with us at the time. And, um, I got out of the shower and I just started, you know, screaming, grandma, grandma, it was a Saturday morning. Grandma, grandma, my grandma came in, the, my grandma came in the bathroom and just instantly started crying with me. Just and that to me is the proof of like something was happening because she didn't know what happened. And the fact that she came straight into the bathroom and saw me in there like crying and just started crying with me was like, yeah, there is a there is something absolutely supernatural that was happening to me in that moment. And and whether it was I, I receive it as inside of me, but so big and so um transformative that energetically it was outside of me as well which is why Mm -hmm. she could walk into that space and just feel whatever was happening to me. 
And, yeah. and yeah, even I'm, I, you know, I, I wish that this was a conversation that I could have had with my grandmother because she transitioned, but I, but I do wonder what, what her thoughts were as she's running through the living room with their little shoulder, you know, in a cast, oh. right? Like what oh. her thoughts as she's running through the living room? Cause her grand, you know, daughter's in the bathroom crying, screaming, grandma, grandma, you know, what was that? And did she ask you eventually, like, what's going on? We did have a conversation about it, a full-blown conversation. Well, I said, I told her what happened. I told her about this dream that I had the night before. Yeah. And I told her about how this song, like, it was, a, I was singing this song in my dream. And that's how it happened to me. I got in the shower that morning and the song came back to my head and I started singing it. And as soon as I started saying the words out loud, this something just fell, you know, fell on me. What is the name of that guy who wrote? Ugh, I wish that I could think of it. I'm about to be terrible because I can't think of his name right now. But there's this guy who he is the founder of us uh, like this online. So you could take all these different courses. Is his name Vision? It's, am I making? I'm not making that up. I, I would think of his name. Christian guy? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Which is the point of the story because it was not an oh. experience at all. But the way he talks about this experience that he had. Um, okay. It sounds like exactly like my salvation story, even though he is not Christian. And so what you were just saying about oh. awakening, et cetera, et cetera. That's is it Mind Valley? Mind Valley, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vision um, Lakiani, um, the CEO of Mind Valley, has this story. It's I think it is I think it is his story. It's the story of like, you know, what kind of transformed him into this iteration of himself. And the way he describes it, I, I was listening to him on audiobook uh talk about it, and I was like, that's not like the power. Ghost following you, Vision. Now, that's yeah. certainly not what he would call it for sure, but very similar. It was so similar to my my own awakening. The yeah. language I have for it culturally, you know, yeah. sociologically, you know, my my place in society at the time was that I was receiving salvation. The power of the Holy Ghost fell on me. But thinking about this person in this completely different body, this completely different experience, describing it as the same thing. Is to me like that's the proof of like, yo, we gotta interrogate how we're all saying yeah. the same thing with different words, right? You know exactly, yeah. yeah. And the Holy Ghost is actually—I mean, I think it's such cool languaging, yeah. you know, about like it's like the spirit. It's like that which cannot be—you know—you can't put it in a jar. You can't. You don't know what it looks like, right? There's no mm-hmm. picture of the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. on the church wall, right? Right? right. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, it's like this thing that like wafts in and awakens you. Mm-hmm. It's like the essence. Um, you can't see it. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, mm-hmm. you know, and you can just feel it mm-hmm. and notice it, right? Like if you go into a gospel church, if you were like, hey, everybody, let me tell you what a Holy Ghost is. Mm-hmm. You go into a gospel church in Tennessee, or I was in Georgia mm-hmm. and or a Baptist church, mm-hmm. like you can see evidence of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. right? Or the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that mm-hmm. too. How come some people don't seem to be like in that dialogue, you think? <laughs> seem to be a lot of people walking around town that some don't seem to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Th- thinking about, uh, so a couple things that I was thinking, I was thinking, about the fact that in the Hebrew, the word for spirit in the the Bible, the sacred text that is the Bible, is actually a feminine word. So, which would make sense that the divine feminine had to exist in the creation story. That if there is an actual 
Godhead or a triune, a trinity, that there would be God the Father, there would be the Spirit, which would be divine feminine, and then there would be this Son or the manifestation of God in the flesh through uh, the existence of Jesus Christ. And so this divine feminine experience, it makes sense to me why then everybody might not experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm. I'm doing quote fingers for the people that are listening and not, you know, seeing me. (laughs) You know, that may not have experienced, you know, the power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is because, because of this conversation, this work that we do together around being actually available for her. Oh my God. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like, are you even available for something to happen to you, which is, which is oh in, uh, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the Baptist church, there is this song that the whole song is just a, an older woman would just sing it something. She would just keep saying something, something. What is the something? What is the something that got a hold of you? What is the something that touched you? What is the something that happened to you? And, and that, is, you know, I feel like that's what it is. The thing, you can't experience it if you have no capacity to be available or open for it. Oh my God. That's, I like that. It's so moving that something, Mm -hmm. something, something. something. She could just keep going forever. That's that's genuinely how the song goes. And everybody will just lose their mind because it's like, if you've experienced the something, you just talking about the something will move you all by yourself, just talking about that something yeah. like, I know what it was. I, it got oh. a hold of me too. Yeah. It got a hold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so many things there. Um, the power of music and the power of like people gathering in church is it's like, there's so much power there. And I felt so sad this last year that that power was, was like thwarted from this pandemic experience, I thought, God, the experience of healing and exaltation and and Mm -hmm. spirit is so, so good singing in church, you know, or singing in Kirtan or wherever you sing or wherever you dance together. And I know growing up in the Christian church and I went to Baptist church and I went to Methodist church. Sometimes I I went to all the churches. I was a, I was a dabbler. (laughs) Um, I really just wanted God. I just was like, I want to see which pathway is like, mm-hmm. you know, but um, the one with, with the music and that mm-hmm. the just people coming together is so powerful. Um, and what you said about being open, this is huge. And it's something that we both, we work on together mm-hmm. and it's something I write about in my book, something I'm very passionate about because my own personal theory, and I want to hear your theory is that that, something that comes through it doesn't come through necessarily and again it's just a theory um when you're thinking all day in your to-do list you're busy you've got your next five years of your life planned out mm-hmm. you know you you know what you eat when and da, 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 you're calculating your calories you got to go to the gym you got to do this you got to do that all your days are really busy you're like oh my god i really want to see you but i'm so busy maybe we can make a plan next month mm-hmm. like oh my god i actually you know that type of very common modern living mm-hmm. where does this something come in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? What's your theory on, on the flip side? Yeah, I I think two things. And it isn't the flip side. I agree with that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Just flipping that. the mic to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that the something will, will 
pursue you. Mm. <laughs> and, but if you never make space for the something, you you could have either experienced it and missed it, you know, mm-hmm. or never. F- I don't know that there's a fully experiencing of it. I think that's a forever journey, but but never really, you know, get the revelation of like, okay, this is this. I can't be the same after this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think because I've always, you know, I talked about my first, you know, real something as a young girl, but I've always been in pursuit of something else. You know, it's gotta be something other than this. Right. I grew Mm -hmm. up in um, Northeast Ohio in uh, this predominantly white space that you know, at the time was like, there's really no, really no middle, like lower middle class. Like either you kind of didn't have no money or you owned a beach. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, really no, no in between. And, um, and, you know, as a result of, you know, the systems that create poverty, a good deal of, most of the people who were on the end of kind of didn't have no money were black and brown people. And most of the people who like owned the beach was like, all of the people who owned the beaches were the white people. I don't know any black people. Let's be real. They were all of them. And so as a really young girl, this was a thing for me. Like, wait a minute. Why? You know, this seems unfair that I have friends who have horses, <laughs> I have a horse. It's an actual thing, you know, like it, it's, I, I just, as a young girl, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, like very clear about inequality, even if I didn't have the language for it. And yeah. so I've been in pursuit of, and then also born and raised in the church. So for me, there was this question of like, well, if God is just and fair, where is my just and fair experience? Where's my beach? Where God, is my beach? Excuse me. <laughs> I deserve a beach. <laughs> you do. Yes. Still to this day, where is my beach? <laughs> no. And so, so that's a, you know, that's one, you know, just example of things that I'm thinking about, like, like my body at a very young age is a part of conversation around equality you know, my education experience, part of the conversation around equality. And so I have been asking God questions since I was a little girl because of this consciousness of something different is happening in this, you know, Mm. like since I was a little girl, I've been like talking to God or my understanding of God. And as that understanding evolves, of course, if you, if you're talking to God or to something, you know, at some point, Something is going to talk back. <laughs> yeah. And that is, yeah. I feel like how I, I have mm. at the very least been available for the possibility that, that the spirit, that God, that Jesus, that the Holy Ghost, that whatever I was calling it at the time was going to, at some point, say something back to me about this experience and that, so the, that availability, I feel like for the something, is yes. really, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's, it's true. It's like, well, why does someone even start a conversation mm-hmm. with that numinous 
kind of otherworldly essence of mm. eternal life, like why, you know, especially if you didn't grow up in a religion or have the context and um, then why would you, then why would you as a 30 or 40 year old or 50 year old or whatever, why would you create space in your life for the sacred to dawn in your day, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, if that, if that relationship wasn't kind of something that was given to you as a child. And that makes me feel very grateful to my mother. And I imagine you have some, some mm -hmm. similar like that, the, that I got that, that I felt it. I felt, I felt my heart um, yeah. be cracked open in church singing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I felt the magic when candles were lit mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was dark. And, and I felt my, my Brazilian grandmother mm -hmm. would pray the rosary over me with her friends when I had like, had a lot of, um, they would give me Brazilian water mm -hmm. and not did they forgot I was like an American girl with a different microbiome and then I would always have really bad stomach stuff and then they would pray over me. <laughs> it's like, why didn't they just stop giving me the water? But they just didn't know better, you know? Um, but my, my grandmother's devotion to mother Mary and I experienced it. It was so like razor sharp. Like she did not fail in her devotion. So it's true what you're saying that coming into that, you know, as a young girl, essentially coming into an internal conversation mm -hmm. with the something mm -hmm. is a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's something, there's something, even when I think about, you know, if you were introduced to the wonder of God, spirit, Jesus, universe, you know, Holy Mother Mary, that, that seeing beauty or, you know, seeing something, or I'll go to the other end of the spectrum seeing, you know, violence, seeing, yeah. you know, that there is something in this, that kind of encounter also that, that might spark an internal dialogue and that internal dialogue for, for however long you were talking to yourself or questioning yourself or pondering just within yourself at some point, the, you know, based on what I believe at some point, God is going to say, excuse me, can I participate in this conversation? <laughs> you know, can I, yeah. can I, can I offer some thoughts on this? Can I crack your heart open for yeah. what this might mean, what this might look like? Right. But even, even if your um, truth, not truth system is, you know, that you are an atheist, there is still a, there's still a capacity, I believe for that wonder, for that um, something even if your language isn't that it's the spirit, God, you know, whatever, there's still, because it's love. So at even if I am atheist and I begin to question what is the point of all this, you know, there there is no divine power. There is no entity, you know, in charge of all of this, but that my heart has been cracked open for people's experience, for the hurting, for the lost, for the yeah. whatever. Even that is the something, the love, the, of course, the, yeah. the devotion, like even that is the something. And I think that that is like, maybe that's the my answer to this question that the yeah. beginning of the journey for the tickling or for the prodding or for the poking, you know, or for the, you know, the something to fall is just to be available at the very least for a conversation, even if that conversation is with yourself, you know, that. Mm -hmm. 
Hello, quick interlude here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, I'd love for you to check out my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my guide to healing yourself, reclaiming your voice, and standing in your power. Publishers Weekly called it a sharp, forceful debut. It was one of Bustle's best summer reads and a bestseller in three categories on Amazon. These are my methods that I'm teaching to inspire you, challenge you, bring up your resistance so you can face it and get free and unleash your gifts. How to let life make love to you, enjoy every bit and find the magic in all of it guide. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound and Sounds True or by visiting alexandraroxo.com slash book. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your support for my work. Back to the podcast. I agree. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think nowadays people, you know, want a spiritual experience to look like ABC, right? You go on a retreat, you learn meditation, da 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 da. But what I, from all my years of reading and and my short life of living of thir- thirty seven years, is like that's not usually when the something. I mean, it may come in. Yeah. The something may come in, especially if you do a bunch of psychedelics. Sure, you're gonna see some sort of a peak in the other side. But um, but my experience is that that numinous sacred something mm. comes when we're in the face of suffering, when we're in the face of turmoil, when we have the capacity to love beyond what we thought we could love, mm-hmm. when we're facing illness, not when we're in a meditation class or a yoga, yoga retreat. It could, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's bad. Those are great places to gather, to practice, to pray, etc. And let's be open to that coming in all of the tiny moments because that those are the moments that Mm -hmm. grace dawns inside of you grace dawns inside of you and something clears where you're you were all in a your panties in a wad because you're so upset about something you're so just oh my god something is causing you so much suffering and then right there like oh if i stay with it Mm -hmm. some grace can dawn love can open something happens and um yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope people have that patience though. <laughs> well, well, you know, <laughs> based on our work together, <laughs> I feel like, um, I talk to my life coach about this too a lot, about the fact that I feel like every week I come back to say the same thing. And um, like, like I leave the session with the revelation and then next week I'm going to be back like, girl, I was just in my head. I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to sit with it. I didn't want, I didn't know what to do. And so it does, it does. I believe that it is a forever journey. A girlfriend of mine, her name is JT Perry. She says that we don't, we don't get healed. We heal. It's a, Mm. it's, you know, into into the language of I am healed. is not real. You know, it's just not, it's just not real. And I got that because I'm going to use the example, you know, from a, for money. I had a, you know, transformative year last year in my business and my finances. And, um, and a lot of work that I had been doing healing, you know, my money blueprint, et cetera, et cetera, like healing in this way. I, I did it. I accomplished it. And then I got to the, I'm good, you know, place. And where I thought, you know, this is where I'm trying to get to. I got there and it was this revelation. Who was never about this at all, at all. The thing is, when I didn't have any money, I used to think, you know, people that say that they, 
of course, you know, now you're just making up more issues to have. But it really is a revelation. It really is a revelation that you think that you think that the end result is when I get this thing, I will be healed. I will be well. I will have everything I need and I will be good. And then you get there and you find out, oh, my life is a mess. If I, you know, I've been spending so much time focused on just this one thing. My life is a mess. So is this, that isn't to, you know, I, I, I would rather my life be a mess and have some money in the bank and figure out how to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> throw, throw a little money at the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather, you know, like, I would rather be depressed in Santa Monica on the beach than depressed at my house, you know, doing nothing. So I got, I'm not trying to minimize my deep gratitude for having at least 25 cents in my bank account. But there is this, there is this moment where, this ongoing moment where I get to this place and I think, I spent so much time thinking that I was going to be healed instead of, instead of putting in the, uh, instead of learning that this is a forever journey that, you know, and so, and and that's just important to me because I miss it. I spend so much time missing. I spend so much time missing my body. I spend so much time missing this moment. I spend so much time Mm -hmm. missing this experience because I think that's the destination. Let me get there. And I miss it. So the being able to, step away from language appealed to the rest of my life in this form, I will be healing from this. Mm -hmm. And then I will get to this place where I thought like, that's it. And then I'll realize a deeper layer of love, of grace, of compassion, of power, of, you know, of holiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we live in this world where I I feel like people want a quick fix, Mm -hmm. you know, and we know doing the work together. It's like, I mean, I'm probably a less popular of a coach as the days go by because I'm more realistic about like, there's just no quick fix, you know, it's about practicing and being able to you know, feel deeply and open into mm-hmm. these moments in life, these these situations and opportunities and to bring grace and to bring love. But it's not about an end result. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten caught up in that end result thinking sure. a million times. I tried to sell coaching like that before and it didn't feel right because I think a part of me inside was like, I know that this isn't true. Like, even though I bought classes that were like, Attract your beloved today. You know, call in the one. Yeah. In, 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 yeah. Today. Do you know how many years I did those classes? Did you ever do any of those? Ooh, honey, have we been introduced? You know, I am an overachieving healer. I have bought all the classes, all the workshops, all the manuals, all the books. Honey, yeah, got it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had a few friends be like, throw those away, <laughs> you know, stop with that. And it's, it can be, you know, it can feel a bit of a compulsion. Maybe there's a part of like that we both, I forgot, we have a bunch of astrology in common and you're a manifester. Yes, 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 yes. And human design. I'm a manifester. Um, we have like, I, I forgot all of the things we have in common, but we do. And so, so that there's probably like an internal mm-hmm. deep soul kind of like excited, curious overachiever. Mm-hmm. Like that's not actually, I don't feel like it was, for me, it wasn't like, it never went overboard. I never spent like $20,000 on a weekend with right, an expert, okay. but I know people that did, mm-hmm. you know, um, but you know, mine might be, Oh, I have all six bucks. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think that I've spent that much. I was about to say, let me see if we combine all the stuff I've done. Yeah, that's, that's true. What, what I will say, that's the perfect example of my overachieving. At some point 
I was doing therapy twice a week. I had a life, two life coaches, a business coach, you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the undefined. (laughs) You, you actually are my undefined. When I try to tell people what we be doing, I feel like I change your title every time. And they're just like, what does she call herself? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. This is what we're doing. (laughs) So I had, so I had all this going on. And it, and I, when I, and I'm a Capricorn, so that's a part of it too. Like I, I need the strategy. Step one, step two, step three, just tell me and I'll do it. And then we'll be good. And yeah, you know, so there's that. And, and it really, what I, what I do love about doing the work that we do together is that um, it made me end, go down to coaching once a week or go down mm-hmm. to my therapy once a week. Um, I ended a relationship with two of my coaches in that time frame, and and then now, like you know, I'm settled with my ongoing relationship with my with the one coach. And this this I say this because learning to really come into my heart and to and be in my body instead of like always being like step one, step two, step three, and then what's next, and then tell me what's next, and then give me the book, and then give me the curriculum, and then you know, is the integration of the fact that I got I have lifetime of wisdom. And knowing that I'm uncovering and being available for that. Again, I think all of this, this work is really just about availability, first of all, like being available for the fact that I probably already know some of the answer. I just uh-huh. am so in my head in this, in this version of my existence. I'm in the Ebony Janice story. Whereas uh-huh. if I could just come into my into my heart which I avoid often, you know, if I could just be in my body, which I avoid often, then, you know, there's something in that. So like letting that, you know, sitting with that and not making this story that there's something else for me to do. What if there's something to do and just sit down? Yeah. And, and just to be. be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is just not how we learned it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. I also want to say that because I I want to talk about, um, I'm looking forward to sharing this publicly in various ways, but the way that I came to this work with you very specifically was that I was looking for a Black woman to do this work with. And I didn't, the reason why I never give you a real title is because I didn't know what I was looking for. I, yeah, I knew that I wanted to do some very intentional healing around, um, like my divine feminine energy. Um, I am, I am the most Capricorn to ever Capricorn. And so I can be very like, (laughs) this is what it is. And I have a very serious presentation. Um, which that's one thing we don't have in common astrology wise. I'm a Pisces. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you being Pisces, I don't have a lot of water in my chart at all. So there is that too. And, and there are times when I'm in a session with you and I'm just like, Lord, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? But so, so I um, have very serious, serious presentation, even though I'm really a clown. And um, I had to, once I found you, I, I got the book, I reached out. We, you know, started, we had a session and, and I, and I felt very afraid 
of like, what will this work mean for me? Because I don't even know, you know, what I'm looking for. I just was wondering, you know, for me, when I find other coaches, right? When I found my business coach, there was a very specific thing that I was looking for. I knew exactly what I needed. I knew how to communicate that um, and yeah. so on and so forth. And I am, you know, just as a, as a side note to that, I remember one of our first real sessions, like actually being kind of annoyed and, and angry with this thing that you were asking me and, and just, and just feeling like he, being inside my head, like, why am I mad at this lady for doing her job and simultaneously trying to, you know, be present with this money that I was spending to be here. And which brings me to why I could in this season of my life only do this work with you, um, a young white woman, because there are, there are parts of my own experience as a black woman. Um, Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes has this book called Too Heavy a Yoke, uh, The Burden of a Strong Black Woman. There is a story that this earth has about black women and how we are supposed to be. And um, so there's levels of vulnerability um, which more often than not, when I talk about you, I call you my vulnerability coach. There, there mm. are, um, uh, you know, spaces of vulnerability that black women just historically don't have access to in this, particularly in this space, but it becomes this stereotype, the strong black woman, the sassy, the, all the, you know, all the trope, of like, we got it together, we, whatever. And the way that that impacts us in society and even, you know, inside of, inside of, in every institution, but, you know, even inside of our families, inside of our romantic relationships, it's what is the expectation of me as a strong Black woman, this man, if I'm going to be in a relationship with a Black man who's raised by his Black mother, very likely existing inside of the trope of being a strong Black woman, then does he expect me to also be a strong Black woman? And do I even have the language to say, no, I want to be a little bitty baby. I don't want to be a strong Black woman. And there were very early, you know, moments in our work together where I was just like, oh, my friends don't even know about this. Like this is, I am unlocking a level and a layer of vulnerability just based on the privilege of not existing inside of the trope of being a strong black woman. And there are ways of course, where all women have story put on them but this very unique experience of, you know, being both black and femme in this, you know, space in the United States of America, it has created, you know, this impossibility for so many of us. And I, and I did, I, I would leave sessions sometimes and talk to my girlfriends about like, this is, this is what me and Alexandra was talking about today. And we would all just be like, what is this even? What is this? Like, have you ever even imagined like, I don't want to tell your story, but I'm going to tell 27 seconds of this story. Yeah, because we got to give people some context. Yeah. Because otherwise, it just sounds like I'm doing mad witchcraft <laughs> or heart opening. I don't know what it is. Witchcraft. <laughs> so, but I'm a witchcraft. Alexander was telling me this story about it doesn't matter, but something something personal with her partner, da da da, whatever. And so the the thing is, a fork is involved in this story. <laughs> Let's tell the story. Okay. I don't care. Okay. It's a long time ago. Okay. So <laughs> Alexandra is a little messy. Her partner is not. 
<laughs> Let's just say I'm artistic in the kitchen, okay? Like I'm not like, okay, there's a little drop here. I I cook madly and then I clean after. Cook madly okay. is such a great way to say I am messy when I cook. <laughs> He's going to love this, by the way, yes. because like, so, even recently he was like, there's a piece, there's a spot of oil on the floor. What if I stepped on it? And then I stepped on the carpet and I was like, Jesus Christ. Anyway. So, so Alexandra's partner would say, you know, can you put the fork in the sink? And Alexandra would just normally be like, you know, in her head, I don't have to do this. I'm a grown woman. You'll tell me what to do, whatever, whatever, whatever. So this one day, Alexandra's like... I love telling the story, actually. This one day, Alexandra says, you know, but my work is the heart. So I decided to practice staying in my body, staying in my heart. And so she says, he says this, and I just think, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm sad. I'm so, you know, frustrated with this. And so she goes to another part of the house and decides to cry. <laughs> now, let me side note to tell y'all that while Alexandra's telling me this story, I'm thinking, Okay, girl, just put the fork in the sink. Like, honestly, this is so much drama. Put the fork in the sink. So it goes to another part of the house and and just, you know, wraps herself in a ball on the floor and starts crying, which I'm laughing about it, but I want to get to, you know, I don't want nobody to think I'm shaming you because I'm getting to the point. No, no, no. I know. So, so I'm laughing about this and I'm like, you know, I wish this lady would just get to the part of the story where she realizes that she could have just put the fork in the sink. And so, but her partner feels her very clearly because they're in totally separate parts of the house, feels her that something has shifted for her, comes to the room and, you know, basically just wraps her in his arms and is like loving her through this moment. Okay. The two things that I'm experiencing in as I'm hearing this story is number one, you know, I really wish that this lady would just put the fork in the sink. And the and the other part that I'm experiencing is I want to cry. I mm. want I want to cry. I want to go lay on the floor and cry and be able to trust that trust myself with those feelings because they're valid, right? Being feeling, feeling critiqued, feeling, you know, whatever was coming up for you. And I'm like feeling that is very, very valid. And, and the reason why I'm having this judgment along the way, as you're telling the story is because I have no context whatsoever of being allowed to feel my feelings, having to feel like I got to hold it together, even in this. And there is no space for so many of us. There is no space where it is actually safe for me to fall apart. Yeah. I, so I want to cry. I want to be scooped up. I want to trust. I want to be in the kind of relationship where the beloved will walk in the room behind me and not even really ask me, not even start interrogating what's going on just to give me whatever it is that it, it looks like I need or, you know, that they feel that I need. And that for me is like, it's such a, it's such a small story, but it's such a big deal because for myself and for a lot of my friends who they call Alexander their step coach for a lot of my friends it's like it's like I didn't even have language for the idea of crying you know in yeah. in that way or or that yeah. I could or the language of whimpering or you know yeah. I didn't even have that language I didn't even know that that was a possibility and so working with someone whose experience is not my own there is this um almost like a, like, it, like I've unlocked, you know, a portal or something and being able to just have the concept of something or the possibility of something 
has me curious about what else, you know, is possible for me and my softness. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I want to give people a little bit of context because this is a specific practice that I am supporting myself and Anne Ebony Janice. And so out of context, that moment in the story can sound kind of ridiculous, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. why would I cry about a fork? Mm -hmm. So my practice, because I'm a strong minded, analytical, mm-hmm. all A student, like mm-hmm. directed movie, directed commercial. Like I am, a, I am a strong willed. Um, I have the, str- I've lived with a strong woman mm-hmm. archetype within myself, like mm-hmm. only child, full-time uh, mom at work. I raised myself a lot of moments. My father wasn't at home, et cetera, et cetera. So I learned how to hold myself mm-hmm. and hold my own pain hold my own feelings at a young age. Mm -hmm. So this for my own personal story is like an important in learning how to unwind and be held. Mm -hmm. And this is probably why we can speak each other's languages to an extent enough to meet. Mm -hmm. Because in that moment in the kitchen with the fork, you know, it wasn't about the fork. It was about um, the, the tone of feeling like I'd done something wrong again and again, which was so tapped into dad stuff for me, by the way. Um, And I could have responded back and just come from my head and gone, I'm about to put the fork away in a second. I'm still not done using it. I will when I finish, right? Because that was probably, you know, what I would have said. And it would have come out as freaking bitchy. And it would have not created more love. Mm -hmm. And so my practice is what would have created more love? Mm -hmm. What would have created deeper intimacy? Not what would have made me right or what would have made him right. But in that split second, how do I choose the space that more love could be created? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, my heart was feeling sad, like I had done something wrong. And of course, then it harkens back to all of the times. I mean, my father's crazy, like, you shut the door too heavy. You did this. I mean, they have this very crazy kitchen thing in common, bless their souls. But so... I let myself feel that feeling of like, I didn't, I didn't do it enough. And instead of holding my own pain, mm-hmm. I let it come up and out and then he could hold me there. Mm-hmm. So essentially then my little girl got a healing that she didn't get when she was little because I showed my pain of like, ouchie, that hurt. Yes. He came and scooped. Mm-hmm. So it is a perfect teaching moment. And there's so many deep, deeper layers of practice for someone else listening, that might not be your healing, that might not be your lesson. Mm -hmm. But for anyone who's grown up holding your own spine, holding your own pain, holding your own sadness, holding it together because everyone else in the Mm -hmm. house was falling apart, etc. Intimacy and partnership are like, if we can allow ourselves to make that choice to Mm -hmm. stay in the heart and in that vulnerable, Mm -hmm. even embarrassing, embarrassing openness, Mm then something in us can be seen and healed and felt and more love can come. Mm-hmm. So I don't do that every time. Just no, so you guys I, know. I, Sometimes I, I say the total bitchy head, head heart closed off like thing. <laughs> I, I love that story also because it was connected to you were sharing that story with me as, you know, as a reminder, because I was saying that I wanted something from this person that I had been practicing, you know, love with. Um, I know. And, it's good though. And I said, and you asked me a question. 
I said, you know, you said, what did you want him to do in that moment? I said, I want him to treat me like a baby. And you said, what did you do to invite him into that experience? You know, and then, and then later in that, that same call, you made me practice. Like, how were you laying on the couch? What were you doing? And I wasn't doing any of those things. And I was so like, I was so like, I just never even, I never even thought to give my partner the opportunity to show up for me. Mm -hmm. Not, Not that my partner didn't show up for me. I never even thought about the fact that there may be something in my body that I need to model to activate the knowing in him that what I need, because if I'm always just being a bad bitch all day long, why would he ever think Ebony Janice wants to be treated like a little bitty baby? Have I ever, ever, ever told him this at this point? No. And the answer was absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I had this fear, you know, as I'm processing the story of like, I want that tenderness, but I'm terrified of doing anything to invite that tenderness. I somehow want him to magically know that he should scoop my big grown behind up in moments that I've, you know, in, in moments that I haven't even revealed I'm hurt or I'm feeling tender or I'm, you know, I'm feeling like a little baby or, you know, whatever, whatever. And so it, it seems again, you know, I, I just want to, you know, continue to reiterate, it seems like such a small story, but the beauty of it for me was really the beginning of thinking about, just thinking about, just the considering what if I could be in the kind of relationship where I could be both, you know, soft and strong, which is some of the language I would be, where I could be, and, and there isn't a judgment of me in this place about either of those, right? Mm-hmm. At the moments when I'm being strong, this relationship, whatever relationship it is, whether it's my friends, whether, you know, platonic, whether it's my romantic relationship, whatever it is. That there is that this relationship is safe. That this person won't be like, not you trying to be strong right now when you were just rolling on the floor about a fort, you know. Like there is no judgment in either direction um, because the vulnerability calls us into a deeper experience, you know, with each other. And and what I wanted to believe also just from that experience is that I could be, if I could attract or I could be in relationship with somebody who I wouldn't have to tell what I want you to do now is I'm going to go cry. What I want you to do now is come into that. The, that the magic, right. That, that what is magic about the moment is to stay in your heart calls this other person into their heart as well, because I mean, hopefully they don't see you in your heart and show up and say, this doesn't make any logical sense what you're doing right now. No, to just be able to meet me and to trust that that's possible for me to, for me to experience that kind of love and grace and tenderness as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> thank you for letting me share that story. I love that. Well, story. thank you. I'm just, yeah. I was just thinking how vulnerable it is that you're sharing your process with us. And I know you have a, a thousand accomplishments, mm-hmm. a million trillion, I don't know. Um, and it's just, it's really generous to share about your process. And I, I think when I asked, you know, we could have talked about all kinds of things. Um, and there's just, I, I haven't heard anyone have this type of conversation. And when you first said to me, like, you know, as a strong black woman, I needed to hire you for this. Mm-hmm. I was really like touched and I hadn't thought about that and hadn't thought about like, um, 
that archetypal kind of softening that's it, it that is in itself is a privilege you know and it's something that not every white woman black woman brown i mean mm -hmm. not everybody will experience that this life it's taken me a lot of effort mm -hmm. and practice to sort of de-armor and come out of my own patterning around being strong and having it together so i've felt like really passionate about inviting other women mm -hmm. into that and i talk about it like you know it's just like notes on a keyboard or something you just want to have the full range mm -hmm. so that in a moment you're not just operating out of habit just mm -hmm. because oh ebony denise is always a bad bitch well no sometimes she's bad baby <laughs> yeah sweet baby i had this 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 kind of visual of like oh what would ebony denise's little baby girl dress like so maybe that'll be something we'll we'll talk about in a later later date <laughs> I, I, I love this, um, this possibility, you know, I haven't <laughs> very clearly have not mastered it at all. At all. I'm such a novice on this. But it's just practice. I don't know if right, anyone right. ever masters it. You know? well, I, right. I know, look, I know some, I know some of the higher ups teaching about this stuff. Cause like my man knows them and stuff. And from what I've heard. People are always in process, right, you know, right. so. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that for sure. This, you know, along the lines of like healing and healed, you know, it's a forever journey. But I'm so intro, you know, to the idea of, I, I, I came to this in our work that what I wanted, which is funny, you know, about our first, our introduction session, you had like, there were like layers of like, okay, what I hear you saying, what I hear you saying. And so it was the, the, what was underneath all of that is I want a chance to be soft. You know, I mm. want to, I want to, I didn't know that that's what I wanted. I knew that I wanted something. I didn't know that what I wanted was a chance to be soft and not to have to um, have it together in every single space in my life. You know, I wanted to um, be able to fall apart and trust myself to get back up again and and also trust that there were people that could you know help me put that you know put myself back together again that and that and falling apart and falling apart is a glorious part of the journey as well that is not to be like othered you know like oh you don't want to have to yeah. go. like that that's part of the journey and that's so, when the armor falls off mm -hmm. too you know all of our hard walls fall down mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, so I so I do. I love that. I appreciate, you know, even as much of a novice, like I said, as I feel like I am on this journey. There, I see it for myself in the very beautiful thing because I'm just not a solo healer. I call it. This is my um, womanism. It's also very communal in in its sense in itself. Um, uh, in the color purple, Celia and Nettie. When uh, Nettie can go to school, but Celie can't go to school. So Nettie teaches Celie everything she knows. She teaches her. So there's a scene in the movie specifically where she's like, corn, C-O-R-N, corn, stocking, S-T-O-C-K-I-N-G, stocking. And um, Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R. And so I call it my Celie and Nettie ethic that mm -hmm. anything that I'm learning, anything that I know, even if my friends aren't taking that class or working with that coach or doing that work, that I'm over here like corn, C-O-R-E, yeah. corn, corn. And so that's me. Like I see my friends, you know, you know, my close girlfriends hearing about this work that I'm doing around soften softening 
And the the early conversations about it is just very fascinated, like what, you know? And then the the deeper we, you know, the deeper I go into the work, the deeper conversations are like, and then what should I do? What would Alexandra say about this? <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. I feel very honored. And very, very honored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's great that one of your friends thought I was a like a cute, funny little old woman that lived in the woods until <laughs> Ebony Janice tagged me on Instagram. And then she's probably like, what the fuck? I want. <laughs> I never thought that all the time. So Alexandra, I thought it was a little old white lady that lived in the woods. I never thought it was this young woman. Tell, tell her she sees my spirit, you know, yeah. maybe she sees my past, my future, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I just, I got to let you go because we've gone over, but I feel like we could keep talking forever. But I do want to give people like a little bit of a, what you're up to, mm-hmm. how they can support you, how they can take your work in. Um, and we can always also, if you feel called, do a part two where we talk about a little bit of more of the ins and outs of womenism mm-hmm. and your work. Because I, I, re- I appreciate this conversation and I also, you know, I want to know more and, and support you in that as well. So give us a little bit of a taster if you ha- have space before we finish. Yeah. Well, so the two things that I, I would say is like just beautiful ways to learn in deeper community with me and, um, and you know, simultaneously support my work is that I do a public liber- a lecture, liberation lectures, 2021 liberation lecture series. And, um, I have a background in anti-racism education, but there there is a hardening just in doing that work. And so I really wanted to shift from anti-racism to like, what is the imagination for what we're going to do when we actually get free? Like anti-racism feels like the bottom of the barrel. The least you can do is be against racism. What is your actual model for liberation? What is that going to look like? So yeah. this liberation lecture series is a once a month series. You can find it on my website, ebonygenice.com. And then I just launched today publicly this project that is absolutely my life's work. It is it is my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren will be bragging about the fact that this that they were related to the Ebony Janice because of this work. And it's called, oh my God. It's called Black Girl Mixtape. It's a multi-platform um, safe think space centering the intellectual and creative authority of Black women. And what we're doing is I wrote this piece called The Rebellion at Evil Landing, which is based on a true story. It is a true story. The Rebellion at Evil Landing is a true story of a group of enslaved Africans who overthrew their captors off the coast of St. Simon's Island in 1803. And then they flew back to Africa. This is the legend of the story. The way that the story is told that it's the largest mass suicide of enslaved Africans to ever exist. Wow. In St. Simon's Island? Yeah, St. Simon's Island. Right, right, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I had a very... um, spiritual experience there as a child makes sense. makes sense because it's running down a beach makes I like lost sense makes lost track of reality i was about 12 makes it's a true story these enslaved africans overthrew their captors and then they walked back into the water and and uh if you've ever seen daughters of the dust julie dash if you think about beyonce's love drought visuals where they're in the water and they're holding hands it's all an homage to this story of the rebellion at evil landing so I wrote this piece a few years ago. I do doing this work at the public theater 
um, with this program called BARS. Uh, David Diggs from Hamilton put this uh, program on. And I wrote this piece and performed this piece for public theater a few years ago called the, uh, the People Could Fly. And then, but it just had a life. It just wouldn't let me go, just this one piece. And so I decided to create this Afrofuturistic uh, womanist retelling of this story. What would this story be if there were just women on this ship? What happened to God on that ship? What happened to community on that ship? What happened to, and so there is a diasporic healing conversation because of what happened in the transatlantic slave trade. These people coming from here to there, something was created during that time. Something was lost during that time. And what is the activation for people to realize that they could fly? You know, like at what point in the journey do you, do you, were you practicing it along the way? Did you get a reminder? Were you always able to fly? Is this a new experience? And so there are these multi-layers of it's a workshop, it's a um, it's a retreat, it's a play, it's a docu-series, it's so many things. And it launched today. You can learn more about it at blackgirlmixtape.com. And we certainly need support because we are dreaming this into, you know, in, into forever, into future. It's, it's so inspired wow. by the work of Ntozake Shange with For Color Girls Who Consider Suicide When the Rainbow Was Enough. And um, it's transformative. The the writers, it's wow. transformative. Yeah. I have goosebumps. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, that sounds incredible. Thank you. I can't wait to experience it in all of its iterations. So, you know, there are so many different parts of Ebony Janice and today we went into her, you know, softer journey and, and, you know, there's this incredibly, to use her language, bad bitch who's out there making all kinds of things happen and very artistically and creatively, which feels really nourishing to these times, you know, like I feel like it's the last few years, We've gotten a lot of information and kind of like pummeled in a certain way, but I really think that this is the feminine way that we change mm-hmm. change the greater narrative, like is through story and art, mm-hmm. you know, and through the actually the feeling of empathy when we hear those stories. I mean, just hearing the the thirty second version, mm-hmm. I'm already mm-hmm. I already feel something. Mm-hmm. So um everybody go to blackgirlmixtape.com and also follow ebony janice on instagram and also follow blackgirlmixtape on instagram and we'll put all those links and you know go to one of the liberation lectures that sounds mm-hmm. awesome i need to go to i haven't been and um that sounds sounds incredible so thank you so much for sharing your story thank you for having me i love you you're so the much. first time that i've bridged this kind of um you know, someone that I work with privately and mm-hmm. I was nervous to ask. I was like, I don't know if this is weird, but like, I think it'd be so great. And um, I love kind of breaking down those old school kind of notions of like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what's right or wrong or like, well, you know, whatever. So, um, but you know, the rest is very private as what do we do in our unnameable <laughs> sessions. So you guys just got a peek, but this is it. Don't think anything else is coming. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Please um, subscribe and do all that yumminess. Follow Ebony Janice and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo. And you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. 
And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.